0: If the Bible's got you tied in knots, if you're burdened with religious thoughts, come grab a drink and join the choir.
1: It's Heretic Happy Hour. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Heretic Happy Hour podcast. Uh, My name is Keith Giles. I'm so glad that you decided to, to listen to this episode and to join us for this uh, exciting new sort of half sort of mini series. It's a mini-series. We'll call it a mini-series we're doing, looking at some different films that we like. And um get, can't wait to jump into that. Anyway, my name's Keith Childs. I'm one of your co-hosts. I'm the author of the recently released Solo Mysterium: celebrating the beautiful uncertainty of everything. And I am joined by Katie and Matt. Say hello. Hello, I'm Katie
0: Valentine. Keith, when you said we were doing a mini-series, I feel like we're doing some kind of fictional mini-series that should be set Uh, in World War II.
1: Yes. And then my mind started racing. (laughs) Yes. Like,
0: (laughs) like, what could that actually be about? So you've you've sparked a creative streak in me. Um, I am the founder of the Metaphysical Christian Facebook community. I'm the author of Sex, Slavery, and Self-Control. And I'm also excited about the mini-series and about the mini-series.
2: And I am Matthew DiStefano, author of, uh, well, the recently released Learning to Float, co-authored with my good friend and friend of the show, Michelle Collins. Uh, so huge shout out to her and huge shout out to everyone who has picked it up and read it and everyone on my launch team. Love y'all. And I am, I'm excited and I'm not, I mean, it's weird to have a change in the show again. And so we're obviously missing the F man. Um <laughs> Yeah, yeah,
1: okay. So yes, it's,
2: it's, it's always bittersweet. And it reminds me of that Michael Scott quote about bittersweet chocolate. Why not just sweet chocolate? Right. I, Why after bitter? we talked
0: about Derek's Derek's parable, I continued to go down the rabbit hole. And I've watched so many YouTube videos on quantum physics and mm-hmm. black holes and subatomic particles. And so I, I did IM him the other day and uh, sent him the latest article on the CERN. Um the new collider that they that they have, yeah. which is pretty yeah. cool. And uh, did you so we see the new about that?
2: Did you see the new telescope picture? Yes, I yes. saw that. Yes, looking back,
1: I, I told when and I were talking about that last night. Like, because what's so crazy about that stuff is they are literally looking backwards in time, right? Like that that picture that they published is it was before the Earth existed. There was no planet Earth when they took that picture. You know what I mean? I mean, yeah. what they're looking at, it's so far back in time, there was no Earth. Like, that's freaking crazy.
2: Yeah, I've always thought about, like, so you look up at the stars, and you're you are you're looking back millions, billions of years, right? Yeah. And the, the stars that you see, the light from them, those stars likely don't exist. A lot of them that's don't right. exist any longer. They've be, supernovaed yeah. or they've collapsed in on themselves. Yeah, and so it's really like kind of a mind fuck when you it look is. up, man.
0: Okay. I've I've also learned something really frightening. There are oh. rogue black holes. Oh yeah, that just yeah. like go throughout the universe, uh-huh. and there's
2: like a rogue, rogue planet and
0: stuff. Yeah, like you
1: don't yeah. you don't. They could just be coming. They could just pop up at any moment in time. Yeah, look, we could all die at any moment. I mean, even our own sun could just. Like in a few minutes, the, there could be a solar flare that pops out in our direction and extends beyond, you know, the orbit of the Earth and fry us all in an instant. Doesn't our electromagnetic
0: protection protect us from solar flares?
1: Theoretically, but I, I think actually no. I, I've I've read that it actually it potentially could, um, if not destroy all life, it could seriously ruin your day.
2: As long as it's in an instant, I'm. Some, there's some days where I'm just like, uh, that's fine. I think we've had, our, we've had right. our fun. Me too. Me too. I've lived a good life. Um,
1: <laughs> the dinosaurs outlasted us, but that's okay. Yeah. Whatever comes next, I'm sure they'll do a better job. Probably cockroaches.
2: Well, I, I, can't, I, I can't be sure. but
0: <laughs>
1: that, that, So we're just super cheerful today. Oh, uh, yeah. You know, moving, moving into our movie series here. So, yeah, we decided to take a bit of a... Of, um, it's not a break because we're not stopping... But just taking a little detour, having some uh, changing changing things up a little bit in Derek's absence. We do have, there are some big changes coming. We're not going to spill the beans on that just yet, but just trust us that um, Heretic Happy Hour, what is it, 3.0, will be uh, really, really awesome, really cool. We're going to be changing a lot of things about the show, but all for the better. But in the meantime, while, um, while the engineers and the scientists here at Heretic Happy Hour Industries are, are working hard at work putting all that together, putting in a fresh coat of paint here in the studio and all those other things. We thought we would do this, um, a little series where each of us would pick a movie. What was the criteria for our choices that this would be a movie? These are movies that we find sort of spiritually sort of interesting or stimulating. Yeah, it, yeah it doesn't have to <laughs> be your
2: favorite movie, but yeah, there's no. an intersection between some sort of spirituality and philosophy and some sort of theme like that and something we find interesting.
1: So um, yeah, we're each going to, for the next three episodes, we're each going to you know have a film that we have selected. Every, uh, everyone else will have to watch it <laughs> and, um, and then we'll discuss it. So uh, this first episode, uh, my suggestion, and again, I'm being, let's be clear here. This is not my favorite movie. I think everyone knows my favorite movie is Blade Runner, or at least one I'm obsessed with. Like, I, if I had a top 50 list of films, this would not be on it. I love it. I really do like the movie, but it's not, like, my all-time favorite movie. Wait, wait, at the key. Yeah, I know. He's the, the marketing same, expert. Yeah, <laughs> but, but, I mean, it's one of these things where, if we're going to create a, a subcategory of sort of, like, Spiritual movies or faith-based films. I mean, certainly, if I were to make a list, if you were to list all, like the Jesus movies, for example, right? Yes, then this would be at the top of that list because uh, I think of all the movies I've seen about Jesus, this is this is something I can actually enjoy watching and would watch on purpose more than once, and I have. And even then, this movie isn't perfect, but the things I like about it, uh, I was saying before we hit record, I really like. Uh, the way they handle certain things in this film. So, yeah, the film is—I I haven't even said what it is. Mary Magdalene. We're going to talk about Mary Magdalene.
2: Well, we said it last week in our last show, right? And so that yeah, people yeah. could watch it in advance.
1: Yeah, let's hope so. Anyway, and um, and <laughs> Jamal, uh, Jamal, Jamal, I'm Jamal. I'm sorry, uh, you missed this. You know, you you missed this episode because we're going to get into your favorite person, Mary Magdalene. Let's say a bunch of things that Jamal would
0: really, really disagree with. <laughs> right. Yeah, we. <laughs> I think I have a list now. Oh, yes. Uh, I'm, we'll I'm all start for by that.
2: saying Mary Magdalene was a prostitute. Let's just exactly. agree yes. on that. As we all know. it
0: yes. up in this movie. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, uh, let, me, let me ask you why you picked it.
1: Yeah, when well, we were saying, you know, let's pick some uh, films that we think are spiritually interesting. You know, this one popped to mind. I don't know. I guess because I feel like this film... Okay, so it's directed by the guy who directed the movie Lion, which I thought, that was an amazing movie. I love that movie, Lion. And this was his, the second movie. So after that movie, and he had great success, this was his second project. And I was like, what a weird thing to do. I don't know why he chose this as his next project. But, you know, it's it's an end, quote-unquote, indie film. But, I mean, it's got some pretty big name stars in it. And, we you know, it was released by a you know, a recognized studio and all that, but it still kind of flies under the radar. I mean, so many people have never heard of it and so many people I know have never seen it. So that's probably why I suggested it. Um, I think there's others I could have suggested that would have been more like, oh yeah, I've seen that movie. So I wanted to, I wanted to give this movie a little bit of attention because I do think it's something worth watching because of the, the, as I said, the parts in it that I think are great are really great.
2: Katie, what did you think about it?
1: Uh, I, it was provocative enough that I watched it twice.
2: Okay, and Ooh. so
0: that was fun. Um, I think I think what I enjoyed about the movie was how understated it was. Well, oh, so, very. Yeah. There's there's no. I mean, they they show Jesus teaching, they show Mary Magdalene interacting with him, but there's no rising, swelling music in the background to take yeah. you to weird, fake emotional highs. They don't show like huge miracle scenes on a hillside with like panned out views. Um, Even the resurrection scene itself, I found actually very touching. Yeah. Where Mary just hears her name and she, she walks down and finds Jesus kind of on the edge of this cliff. And I also found that part of the cinematography really moving. And I have, I've not ever been to Jerusalem. I would love to go one day. I don't know if that's what it actually looks like. Yeah like where where gogatha and, and calvary and the in the you know the tomb as we where it's celebrated if that's all if that's all accurate but i found all that really really compelling uh, in the movie and oh. i never felt like there was there will they won't they with mary magdalene and jesus which so often
1: mm-hmm.
0: movies yeah. play up and i really enjoyed that she was a devoted she was a devoted disciple and also challenged jesus yes mm-hmm. in the movie yeah In a way, I don't think we see in the gospels. And I really enjoyed that.
2: Yeah, I, I liked the pacing of it. I liked the sparse dialogue. I kind of, I liked how it would build, but not, like you said, not fake emotional swelling. The music was more like wandering and meandering rather than crescendos and then resolves. Um, I, I found, I was thinking about, you know, Joaquin Phoenix's portrayal of Jesus and, He was a bit unlikable, (laughs) but for me. Mm -hmm. But then I realized like, this is toward, like he's probably exhausted. This is going towards his death, right? He's not going to be some sort of care. I I don't see him as like a charismatic, he's struggling, right? I mean, he's in pain. He's in anguish, like spiritual, like he realizes what's going on. And so he's real. And in that way, he's more likable. But just at the first glance, it's like, Huh, this is an interesting way to uh approach approach the man yeah. but, but then it made more sense because you're not getting you're not getting his whole life and his background you're just getting this very small snippet of it
1: right and I think that's yeah i so it's a very probably more so than any other film i've seen It's a very human jesus very much like you mentioned th- like there are a couple of miracles. That he performs, but they're but very,
2: exhausted after him. Like yeah, he's well, like yeah, yeah,
1: he, yeah. It, it takes a toll on him. He almost he, he almost right. has like an epileptic fit or something, mm-hmm. right? And 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 then the the crowd is pushing him, and they have to kind of rescue him and pull him out of the crowd because they're like going to tear him apart. You know, they're just like frenzied. But it, but it's very understated. All of it is very understated. Like the, even the thing where he cast quote, quote unquote cast demons out of her is essentially him walking in having a conversation with her and saying, yeah, there's no demons. It's like the perception that your 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 father and your brothers have of you is just that you're disobedient to them. You're not you're not doing what they want you to do and therefore you must be demon possessed and that's why they call Jesus to come and, and cast these demons out. But he just sort of sees her for who she is, has a really wonderful conversation with her and says, you know, no, you're fine. There's nothing wrong with you. Yeah, so I thought that was kind of cool. There was a really
0: lovely use of water. I mean,
1: yeah, it's
0: pretty prominent throughout the movie, so you're not going to miss that uh, when you're when you're watching it. But the way they use water to to try to exercise her,
1: yeah, and and
0: she's—I feel like everyone is baptized in this movie like 15 times. (laughs) Yes, there's a lot of baptisms. (laughs) There's a lot of baptisms, and but when it, it made me think that when Jesus was baptizing her. And says, like, there's three dips into the water. Um, and so a call out, that's the way the Orthodox Church baptizes. Um, and so I, I, went, I went to one Orthodox infant baptism once, and um, that baby must think it's about to be drowned. Right. Because it's, like, it's three, so like all the way under dips. But when, when Jesus says, I baptize you with light and fire. Yeah. The second time that she goes under the water, I thought, is that in the Bible? I don't think that's no. in the Bible. Well, but it's, he it's does say
1: in some Gnostic gospels. There, no, I think there is a reference. Right? There's a reference uh, in Matthew. This? Yeah, there's a reference in Matthew to be baptized with fire. I baptize you with water. Oh, John the Baptist. John the Baptist says that I baptize you with water, but one is coming who will baptize you with fire.
0: Yeah, but it was the light and fire.
1: Uh, I see what you're saying. Like, yes, I baptize
0: you with light and fire, or in yeah. light and fire, something like that. Um, but I, yeah. I find that very provocative and very. I thought that, I mean, it, it stirred something within me. I said, yes. well, my soul was stirred uh, with that. And so it, made, it just made me think about about that. And it was a very kind of Johannine,
1: uh-huh. nasty, even though we're not using that word anymore, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> so, 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 okay, now you, 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 you um, lead me to something about the film I, I, that I actually found really refreshing and exciting about it. Because, I mean, I don't know about you guys. I have seen lots of Jesus movies, right? Um, go- gospel based sort of Christian productions, you know, and of course the, the real cheesy ones in the seventies with British actors and blue eyes and all that nonsense. So, um, so to get a Jesus that was very normal, um, very kind of an average kind of guy, um, <clears throat> I would say in contrast to, um, cause I, I feel like, Martin Scorsese's *The Last Temptation of Christ* that was going for something like this, but I, to me, he missed it because, to me, I never believed that anybody would follow somebody like, um, uh, like uh, the Jesus in *The Last Temptation of Christ*. Uh, but but this one, I felt like you know what? If I was standing there and I heard this guy teaching, I would be like, "Whoa, that was that's intriguing, that's interesting." And so, the, to me, the what I find really cool is that you won't if you've seen lots of Jesus movies. I'll just kind of a spoiler here, or or let you know, you're not going to hear verbatim passages of Jesus teaching from Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. Uh, In other words, all the teachings of Jesus here are pretty unique. And and by the way, they're also not from uh, the Gnostic Mary Magdalene gospel either. So it really is, yet at the same time, at least to me, I would say almost everything I hear Jesus teaching in this film is something that I think, Yeah, I think, I think Jesus would likely have taught that. It didn't feel out of character to me. It felt like in line with the kinds of things that Jesus says in other places in the Gospels. So I appreciated that. I I liked sort of the twist on that and that the film didn't feel like it had to. Okay, here's where Jesus teaches this parable or here's where Jesus does this lesson or here's where Jesus, you know, does this miracle of the loaves and fishes or something. So it's completely its own thing, and I really, I liked
2: that. I I felt like, I mean, with any sort of Christian art, I felt like this wasn't Christian art, it wasn't kitsch, it wasn't trying to proselytize it, or it was Mm -hmm. just like trying to create a good historical fiction. Yes. Which I appreciate because, I mean, most of what I see is written about Jesus is probably some sort of historical fiction anyway. You know, I mean, a heresy button, but, you know, there's a lot of, you know the the own writer's interpretation of things. It's probably not how things went. Yeah, I out. mean
0: the four gospels are fan fiction, right?
2: Okay. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> and you
1: heard it here. Yes, you heard it here first.
2: This is this is nothing new to the Harris, uh, heretic Happy Hour, but
1: right.
0: So yeah, Um th- yeah, I feel like the story is a midrash. Yeah, sure. Yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's a midrash. It's an in, it's an interpretive story about Mary Magdalene. And in fact, the only places that I really heard direct quotes from the the four Gospels in the New Testament are from Mary Magdalene. Yeah, Mary mm. quotes the story of the mustard seed and the That's branches, right. the birds of the air landing on the branches. That's
1: right, in a really really beautiful way. I thought. Do you want to go around and talk about like what we, like what we, what, what worked and what didn't work, or what we liked what we didn't like in the film? Because I have I have lists of both things.
0: Yeah, like, well, we've been talking about things, I guess, that we liked or that we found interesting. So what's what else is on your list of, what's on your love list?
1: Okay, so I will tell you, I got to tell you, no one said this yet, but to me, the most impactful thing I took away, well, there's two things, but the, well, the, the most of the two that I took away from this film was better than any other thing I have ever seen in my life. The way this movie handles Judas is awesome, oh my gosh, I was like, this movie should be called Judas. It was just so beautiful and and it's definitely like sympathy for Judas, you know, like I really, really like that
2: they they remove him from the role as like the scapegoat, and yeah. they make it more about like, no, he's got an apocalyptic vision. Yeah. that he's trying to force Jesus' hand into doing because he truly believed yeah. that something had to happen in order for the kingdom to be, well, something other than what happened had to happen. Right. The opposite of what happened had to happen. And and rather than using Judas as the scapegoat, Judas was just trying to be the catalyst for that thing to happen.
1: Right, and, and the way, I mean, I found that so believable and so compelling. I'm like, you know what? I'll, I honestly believe that most of his disciples probably did have that expectation that, oh, he's going to bring the kingdom. And what that means is, you know, all this apocalyptic stuff, because, you know, in in the the film, Judas talks about how his, his sister died. And so for him, he has this incredible hope because in his mind, his expectation is that when Jesus brings the kingdom, there'll be the resurrection from the dead and he'll see his sister again. And so when there's that reali- realization that, oh, that might not happen, <laughs> then you can feel this deep disappointment. And, you know, he's just so disillusioned. And man, my heart broke for this guy. I, I, but I totally believe that many people probably had that exact same expectation and that, that exact same disappointment. And And did
0: his sister, is this the conversation where his sister died of starvation? During, I, as part of the occupation, Roman occupation,
1: something I don't remember how she died. I just remember that he's talking about how she died.
0: Yeah, I think so. So I, I thought one of the things I think this movie did really well was the the portrait of people who are desperate.
1: Yeah, and the, the
0: ranges that desperation, the the ranges of expression that desperation takes within different kinds of people. Um, so it can be despair. It can be this apocalyptic hope, hope for a rising of the kingdom. It can be kind of Quietly fading into death, yeah. As well, just kind of giving up, giving up will to live, or not having the resources to live, and not not really knowing what to do about that. But it can also be like Mary Magdalene, who's this. She's an independent spirit, but not she's not combative.
1: Yeah, she's this mystic independent spirit where she's seeking on her own. Yeah, I really like that. And then the other the the other thing I liked that might the the major major thing that I just love about this movie is um after the crucifixion and the resurrection you see that the male disciples hiding you know in the room jesus comes to tell them she's seen the risen jesus and then there's this dialogue there's this exchange back and forth between between peter and mary magdalene that i absolutely love because you you see in that dialogue these two different perspectives of what what do we do now and what you know what what is our response and reaction to jesus being crucified and again this expectation of the kingdom coming right and so peter's expectation is well you know the kingdom didn't come i'm looking out the window here i don't see the kingdom everything's still the same so i guess we just need to wait jesus is going to come back and then we're just going to wait when he comes back then he'll finish the the job and I'm thinking, well, that's like most of the Christian church <laughs> right now. Like they're like, yep, Peter's right. We're still waiting two thousand years later, We're just waiting for Jesus to come back and bring this kingdom. And and Mary's perspective is, no, you don't understand it. And that this wonderful line the world will not change until we change. And I just thought, that's it. Oh my gosh, like what a what a radical perspective. I uh, I love that. Uh, and I just love seeing, like, th- this was sort of the. I mean, we know, or at least, uh, can I say we know? We we have a strong, very strong evidence that that's appears to suggest that Peter and Mary, there was this power struggle, there was this disagreement between them. There was, you know, conflict and friction between uh, Mary Magdalene and Peter. And this, that scene at least gives us perhaps one reason why these sort of conf- conflicting, competing perspectives on what Jesus was all about and what, what everybody should be doing next. Um, and whether that's true or not, I just really love that dialogue. And I, I love that scene. Yeah, I felt like that was true. I mean, I think, I think we can say with some confidence that there
0: was a, um, a Mary camp and a Peter camp and a yeah. James camp and a, and later a Paul camp. That's right. Um, and, and Peter and Mary were at odds with one another over leadership. Uh, and uh, yeah, so I thought that set it up very nicely. And again, without overdoing it. Yeah there's no brawl, there's no... There, there's not even, like, quippy dialogue. Right. It felt like an authentic encounter. Yes. That two people yeah. might have.
2: Yeah, it didn't make... It didn't make you hate, like, Peter or something. Um, you know, this this film could have easily been like, okay, we kind of know, some of us know the story of Mary Magdalene. At least we can, you know, there, that she was kind of erased and pushed to the side and and that there was this conflict. And I think the propensity... And the ease with which we could say, oh, then we're going to write Peter as some horrible, unlikable character. Yeah. And he wasn't. Like none of the characters, even Judas, like you, like you mentioned, Keith, these aren't unlikable characters. These are highly believable and likable characters. Like they're all trying to figure this thing out and many of them don't get it. But I think it's so subtle that it's easy to understand why they wouldn't have got it. And I could see myself in the shoes of all the characters. Exactly. Like, I mean, well, Mary's family and uh, the, the first 15 minutes of the movie were, I mean, there was a lot of unlikable characters. Oh, and yeah. I was thinking, <laughs> yeah. Katie, I was thinking about you when I was watching the first 15. And I was like, oh my God, I wonder what Katie's going to think about like the, you know, the start of this film. And I was like getting, you know, pissed off at these, these folks for, you know, yeah. their views and all this kind of thing.
1: So I'm curious, Katie, specifically what you thought about a particular scene. Okay. Um so there's a scene that is um as far you know, completely just sort of created for the for the purpose of this film, where they go into a certain town and it's Jesus and Mary just the two of them walking together, I think anyway, maybe the maybe the male disciples are walking behind them, but anyway, they they, they walk in and then there's a bunch of women standing there and Jesus sa- says to Mary, What should I teach them? Yeah. <laughs> and she says, Are men and women so different that you have to teach something different for women? Um and anyway, but then he gives a teaching there. I uh, well, one of the women says something like to him, We are women, our lives are not our own. And then he says, Your spirit is your own, and you alone answer for that, and your spirit is precious to God. But then they she says, Well, who should we obey? If God says one thing, but our husbands or our fathers settle something else, and he says, Well, you have to follow God. And then um so then they're like, Well, so we should just defy them and leave our lives behind, which is interesting because that's what Mary has done. Mary actually did right, that. Yeah. Um and then he says, Yes, though they judge you and persecute you and you must forgive them. And then there's this conversation about how, you know, how they raped a woman and um how can we forgive them for these things? And then he says, uh, I'm I, by the way, I'm reading this off the IMDB IMDB page has the dialogue. So No, right. you memorized
2: it, Kate. I haven't <laughs> memorized
1: it. <laughs> right. But um but then so then it sort of ends with him saying to the woman, How does it feel to carry that hate in your heart? Does it lessen as the months go by? It seeps into your days and your nights until it consumes everything you once were. Those men, they too were filled with hate. But you are strong, sister, and you must forgive. There is no other way to enter the kingdom of God. So I'm, I'm just curious what you thought about that particular scene, or what did you think about that? Yeah, I think
0: I think it's because of that scene and and actually the one we were just talking about towards the end where where Mary, Magdalene, and Peter have have their conversation and and with other disciples and a few others, um, why I felt the need to kind of watch it again. Because I really, I mean, there's a lot of parts of that scene that I really really liked Mary kind of gathering the women that felt very true very authentic to me and something that could that could have happened we, we, there's a lot of subversive evidence I guess in the New Testament that uh, well there's obvious evidence that groups of women were part of the Jesus kind of following oh yeah movement that, yes. right like not only Mary Magdalene Mary and Joanna and the mother of whoever and whoever and whoever like there's a, there's a bunch of Marys running around and Susanna and Joanna's uh, too and so I found that part pretty believable. Um, I think my, my critique overall in the movie is that there's a lot of rush to like forgiveness. And I feel like when people are pointing out the social injustices in the world, yeah, they kind of have a point. <laughs> like yeah. when, when, And at the end, when the disciples are saying, you know, like, take a look outside. Everything that was wrong yesterday is still wrong today. Right, I kind of like yeah. They they do kind of have a point. Like they're they're all still occupied. They're all still undergoing these horrific things, um, and so I think trying to kind of expect someone like like the movie kind of pushed that maybe a little hard for me. Like expecting mm-hmm. someone to say I'm being terribly oppressed and in a, in in a situation where I'm watching you know gosh I'm watching my sisters get raped and the jump to like yeah yeah you need to just forgive them and not have this hate in your heart is a little quick. Yeah. Um, to me, but i I appreciated the sort of Johannine kind of spirit-filled nature, I guess nature of the teaching, which is lifelong. Yes, exactly. Right, like lifelong, it does not help to walk around with that hate in your heart. um
1: right
0: I, I guess I was a little concerned, like the movie sometimes kind of sublimated the injustices, like, no, that's all okay because you can forgive, and so this can quickly become abusive in the real world.
1: Yeah, uh, and there's um, there's a there's a hint of that. Like one of my other favorite things about the film is the very first scene when Mary Magdalene. Um, well, it may not be the scene, first scene she she meets him, but it's the scene where she basically is hearing him teach. She's in the crowd as he's teaching, and um, and I felt like in that spot he did a better job of addressing because they there's like, there's hecklers in the crowd as Jesus is, which I like that too. They're not just sitting there all just like, you know, piously nodding their head. No, he's trying to talk about um, their faith. And they're like, well, how can we, our faith is held hostage, you know, with the the crosses on the hills and the Roman occupation, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, can your faith be held hostage and all that. So he's he's addressing the injustices, but he talks, in that scene anyway, he seems to turn it around not to, to like sort of this easy, quick forgiveness, but to the idea of like, um, that your faith is this still small voice and that your faith should lead you to love, to respond to the cries of people that are suffering, that you would respond to that. You would show them mercy. Um, I liked that. I thought that was a really interesting thing because he, he, he frames that, he addresses the injustice head on and then he talks about, that in the ways that they show love and mercy and compassion for those people who are suffering in Judea and Jerusalem, et cetera, um, that this is how the kingdom comes. So I liked that. I thought that was an interesting way.
0: Yeah. And I, you know, when you are, sometimes when you are oppressed, the one thing you can control is your thoughts. Yeah. Sometimes you don't have control over, over much else. So I like, I think I was wrestling kind of with that in, in the movie. And I, but I was also thinking like, so you know, so many women are in, in abusive relationships. Are told no, just forgive him in your heart, and then yeah. Uh. <laughs> right, mm-hmm. yeah. Or, think, or you know, people yeah, in, who yeah. are enslaved. No, no, you can like you you can forgive your your slave owners. Like no, that sucks. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's not justice. Yeah, it,
2: yeah, it's a it's a tough balance because on uh, on one level, it is true that you can forgive and 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 you can. Somehow find some sort of liberation in that and not harbor resentment, but at the same time, you're right. Like that can easily, easily, easily become yeah a way to get into a pattern of continued abuse, right? And, and we've seen that all the time with you know, like you just said, Katie, with slavery, with uh, abusive domestic partnership, abuse, abusive domestic partnerships, and so it's it it's definitely it's hard. I thought the film did okay, but you're right. Like I I did cringe a little bit at that. You know, Jesus was just quick to go right to that. Well, you must forgive them. And it's like, yeah, Jesus, but, (laughs) you know, and you want to fill in the rest there. Like, okay, but you know, like that, like if that's your first go-to, I mean, everything he said is technically correct. Like, Right. Like, do you you feel, I mean, have you had any sort of healing by not forgetting? I mean, all those things are true, but it's like, okay, but let's make sure that we don't just swing the pendulum too far and that we balance this conversation with, if, I mean, if I were Jesus in that moment, I would, you know, it's like, how about like, hey, I understand your pain. I understand this is very hard, you know, kind of sit with the person and be like, sometimes it's like, we say too much instead of just yeah. being like, yeah, that really yeah. sucks. Cause yeah. I, I would have probably just said, yeah, you're right. That really sucks. I don't have an answer for that right now, but let's <laughs> sit together with it. Cause like, that's, all can, needs to be, that's all I can yeah.
0: feel. Space for lament.
2: Yes. Yes. That's exactly. a fancy way to say
0: it. You know, yeah. Um, yeah. another way yeah. is like, like space, space to be like, no, bitches, we're not doing it that way. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, not you right know? now. Talk to me yeah. in a year, but not right now. <laughs>
0: but it made me think. I mean, it was like, I thought it was a, it was such an interesting way to present it and so I, it like it's it's even a soft critique i was just yeah i think when i watched it the second time i was like okay i, I want a little space in here for another another way to look at it but i liked the scene yes mm-hmm. you know yeah. and and i guess the voices of the the injustices in the world are being given actually to the women in that scene
1: yes which i really appreciate because there's a lot of other ways that could have been done Right. So, so yeah, so exactly. So look, I mean, I I can't think of another Jesus film where the women were allowed to be the ones to, to, to testify this way of the, of the specific abuses that men had done to them and that Jesus was listening to them and acknowledging them. Like, right. So if nothing else, that was really refreshing. That was good.
0: And yeah, and they have Mary Magdalene baptizing the women.
1: Yeah, that was cool too. I love that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so there's like to me, there's a lot to love about the film. But but are we ready to get to this part of it? The things we didn't like about it. Because there's a couple of things that I, I wasn't crazy about. I'm prepared. Okay, well, I, I, I want to just go on record here as saying that Joaquin Phoenix is one of, if not one of, probably the absolute, my all-time favorite actor of all time. I love, 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 love Joaquin Phoenix. I think he's a phenomenal actor. So many great movies that he's been in. Um The Master, he's amazing. Uh there's another film called Don't Worry He Won't Get Far on Foot, which is just a just phenomenal movie. Uh there's another movie called Um You Were Never Really Here, which is also phenomenal. So Gladiator. I just I love him. Uh no not I that love one. him as
0: the Emperor and Gladiator. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like not a fan of
1: that I don't no. like that movie. He's, no, a, he's a great creepy emperor. I mean, I know he's yeah, yeah. He's good in that. He's good. He's one of those guys. Like you know, he's good in whatever movie he's in. Even at the movie, He's Johnny Cash. Yeah, exactly. He's Johnny Cash. He's great in that. In um, the Joker, I like the Joker. I thought he was good in that. So anyway, I, I like him a lot. But and I, and I do like him for the most part in this movie. But that's one of my critiques. Is like he's kind of a pudgy dad bod Jesus, you know. Uh, <laughs> Um, like you know, come on, come on, joaquin, could you have not uh, not had the cheeseburgers for this one? I don't know
2: you want uh, you wanted you wanted abs, Jesus, like no, CrossFit Jesus,
1: No, 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 I just didn't want him to really like have the little pooch uh, I was like, man, Jesus, what are you eating here, like stopping by for fresh fries on along the way here,
2: uh, <laughs> like Jesus ate all the five thousand loaves,
1: yeah, he ordered all those loaves, they had some nachos. <laughs> So I mean I, his acting is fine. That's a,
2: that's a very interesting critique. Keith. Uh, <laughs> one I did not expect.
1: Well, <clears throat> um yeah. Uh so I don't know. Uh, I, I guess it's a minor it's a minor gripe, but I do like him a lot. Um I just I know that they were going for we've already we kind of praised the, the fact that the film made Jesus very normal and just a regular kind of a person, and he wasn't this sort of Superman Jesus. And so, yeah, I know that's what they were going for, but maybe, I don't know, maybe they took it too far. I don't
2: know. Yeah, I, I, is, that, is that the only critique you have?
1: <laughs> um, <laughs> Walking, Walking Phoenix needs to do more abs. <laughs> there's, uh, there's, also, there's also a couple of like mistakes in the film. Um, I mean, again, these are really minor. You probably won't notice it unless I tell you. But like, there's when he baptizes uh, Mary Magdalene, and she comes out of the water, you can like notice her bra straps, which is I'm pretty sure they didn't wear bras back then, so that's kind of weird. You know, the little minor tiny things like, well, how hard were they trying to make this thing
2: I, feel authentic? That's, you know? that's better than Game of Thrones leaving the Starbucks cup on I'm the desk. Totally
1: that's, going back to rewatch
0: that now. Yeah, <laughs> <not> see that. No, <laughs> those were 20th century
1: invention for sure.
2: Well, I, I remember, I think Gandalf has a wristwatch on in Lord of the Rings, so even some of the best films.
1: Yeah, there's, uh, there's been some about, other films, too, where like in the background, isn't there a Lord of the Rings where in the background you can see a truck?
2: Um, I think there's that, the and then there's there's a smokestack in the back of Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Um, right,
1: and I thought in Gladiator there was even a shot of like a plane up in the sky flying over okay. in the background.
0: Maybe. Yeah, they <laughs> What about you, Matt? What, was your, uh, what were your dislikes of the movie? I don't.
2: It, I don't remember disliking any. I thought they kind of see. Whereas the Passion of the Christ, like it was almost unwatchable um, yeah. during you know during the execution and all of that. I thought they could have. I mean, I, I feel like the the build up to the film was it was almost like I mean it was we praised it for its subtlety but i thought there could have been a little bit more with that i liked the subtlety of the resurrection but i i thought they i thought they could have had a little more um, of a crescendo in a way you mean the and, crucifixion part of it uh, yeah i didn't want to see like jesus getting his ass whooped for you know 6 hours right. straight like bill yeah, gibson like, exactly. has a fetish about but yeah i didn't necessarily want to see that but i, I I have to say, I mean, I had like a love-hate relationship with the resurrection part. I I loved the fact that even us as the viewer weren't one hundred percent sure that Mary actually saw Jesus, right? You know, like Peter's like, "Did you see a vision or a dream?" No, he was there. And even we're like, "Well, but maybe well, but like, you know, but was he?" <laughs> <laughs> you know, so, so I, I liked that, and I also didn't like it. So I I I need to watch it again. I, I only watched it one time, and I would like to see if I how I felt the second time, but I thought there could have been, there could have been times where it wasn't so understated and I would have appreciated that. But I, I understand the restraint, especially after films like the passion of the Christ, like, like we need to rein it back in, you know, like I don't think, I mean, if you're trying to go for historical accuracy, I don't think him getting his ass whooped for, you know, he bled enough for like 10 men. Uh, no, exactly. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. I, I don't think the human body has that much blood mm-hmm. in it. I'm not, I'm not a doctor. Don't and after you bleed that
1: much, you're going to now carry this hundred pound cross yeah, up the hill. So. Yeah. Exactly.
0: Yeah. So I, you know, I, I, like the understatedness of it, but I can, I, I can see the happy, you know, the happy middle there too. I think my, my critique uh, too uh, to are that this is a really weird cast, um, mm-hmm. and it's real white except for like some of the disciples. Peter. Peter's black. Yeah, Peter's black. And so there's another the, disciple
2: who's black, but I I don't I didn't catch all. I couldn't tell who all each of them were. But it's
0: his brother. It's his brother Andrew. Because they're oh, brothers. Okay, that makes sense. Peter and Andrew are black. So, and like, so there's there's minimal. There, there's kind of like it's not quite tokenism, but it's almost there. It's almost tokenism. Mm-hmm um in the diversity or non-diversity of the cast and and Runa Mara is that her name the, act- Mara. the actress I mean Rooney Mara yeah Rooney Mara yeah she I mean she was phenomenal um as Mary Magdalene she's like Scandinavian I think
1: right so this yeah. is like
0: this is again a very euro looking cast yes. overall. um so yes. I, I thought that they could have been much more attentive to that um and, and still been really really authentic and more authentic with, with the storyline that they were telling. And so yeah. that that dovetails, I think, with my second critique, and I'm just curious what you both think of this. Um, I, so we, again, have this problem of a story being told that basically makes Jesus the only good Jew, Jewish man in the story. Like, all of her family is just horrific. All of the women's husbands are just horrific. The disciples just don't get it, like none of them get it, and so it makes it. We have a, we have the Jewish problem <laughs> that we often have in the way the Christian story the Christian stories are told uh, that have Jewish figures. So it wasn't the blatant. It wasn't so blatant as like Jews killed Jesus. We know you know we we must now like persecute them. Um, but it was subtly set up so like the only. The only good Jewish man in the story, or really the only good kind of Jewish woman in the story, are the two main characters, and everyone else doesn't get it. I think that could have been done differently
2: yeah, because i I feel like what they were trying to do is lift up women's voices, but in doing that, they made all the Jewish men to be total bastards
0: yeah and and even the other Jewish women didn't really get it either
2: right
1: in within the world of the story right kind of yeah cuz well see that's 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 a good critique too because as you said at the beginning there is even even in the four gospels lots of evidence and mention of women many of them by name there's at least five or six of them mentioned by name and then in, in after that it says and many others and so there were many other women who were uh disciples of Jesus who are part of it and yet we only see Mary she's the only woman in this film, who's who's following Jesus. So yeah, that's, um, I think that's a good point.
0: Yeah, it was like the 12 disciples and Mary.
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so it, it
0: was positioning her as the 13th apostle, or maybe really as the first apostle.
1: Right. Well, because um, yeah, he says to her, you're my witness, Mary. Yeah. She's the only one to whom he says, you're my witness, or, you're my sent one, my apostle. But it's it's difficult to think, like, I think those are good, good um observations but it's also like difficult to think like if if you were trying to make a movie how would you have done it differently to make a room for all that like
0: yeah and I, I don't i'm pretty sure that's not it's not conscious it's the yeah. way christians tell the story yeah right the, the way yeah. christians have historically told the story is to pretty much say that all all the jews are at fault or not getting it, or doing something wrong, or and at then least it. Right. Yeah, right. And so it, so it's a subtle undertone uh, within the movie, and the so the the director Garth,
1: Davis, Davis, Garth Davis. Davis thank
0: you. I don't is I, I just don't know anything about this director. Is he American? Is he European? Is he? Do you know?
1: Um, I'm going to IMDb. Uh, he looks like a white guy to me. <laughs> yeah, so you know, it's, I think I it's say. just it's also yeah. part of the way
0: the story has just been told historically, and so there's, yeah. I think it's just built into the fabric of how we've done it for so long. Right. And it it's takes a to awareness to undo that. Yeah, he's he's an Australian, by the way. Okay, so I know nothing about the status of of Australian Christians and their relationship with Jews. So
1: right, so, I cannot speak to that. <laughs> so I think, um, like, especially though, when it comes to this to the patriarchy, you know, we know that. The first century Judaism was a very strong patriarchal uh, religion, and there was a very strong culture of uh, patriarchy. So, on that sense, like, how do you show that without showing that Jesus wasn't and that it seems like, I mean, I know what you're saying, like, oh, in in the film, oh, Jesus is the only good Jew. But in the sense that he wasn't behaving along those norms, he wasn't uh, in favor of he was trying to elevate women, in other words, and so were there other Jewish figures who were also trying to elevate women and going against the grain of that patriarchal system?
0: Yeah. So I think when we can see in the in a first century context, when we can see Jesus as part of a of a um, minority movement, yeah, as as one voice but not the only voice who was who, who was advocating, you know, advocating such things or doing such things, um, then that's. It's showing that like not every um, was, and it's not only it's not only Jews. That's just the way the movie is positioning it. But often when we talk about the ancient world, like this is something I grew up hearing. Women, uh, women were only good for one thing, and that was having babies. That's blatantly not true. Right. There, there is a truth to it, but we see uh, women being cherished in many different ways. Um, And so I I think of a letter that Cicero wrote to a friend uh, on the death of his daughter. And the man is sincerely mourning his daughter. He's not mourning the death of someone who was going to give him grandbabies. He's mourning right. the death of his daughter. Right, right. Because he's sad that she died. <laughs> when Jairus yeah. comes and, be, and his daughter has died, he's sad because he loved his daughter. And so this, this kind of thing that women were only good for one thing in the ancient world is, I think, a myth we tell to keep women down today. And it's not that there's no truth to that, but it's not the only truth. And so, you know, I think, and when we're talking, when we're telling the Christian story, if we can see other voices who were also liberative, it's really helpful. And if we can see the full range of people being, you know, yeah, there's some jackasses, there's some patriarchal jackasses, and then there's people who are nice, right, right, and making their way in the world.
2: Yeah, it seemed like like the the. The least amount of subtlety was in like the patriarchal jackasses in the first 15 minutes of the film.
1: <laughs> right. and, and
2: so, you know, so it was like that part was not very nuanced, even though the film as a whole was very nuanced. Yeah,
1: well, I, I think it's also that, um, I think by do, by setting it up that way, like we're telling Mary's story, that Mary, it, the, it's, it's Mary Magdalene's story. So in the beginning, we see that part of what she's doing is she's escaping that, Sort of fate that that her or at least her immediate family or you know her parents wanted her to follow a certain path. She didn't want to. They saw this as rebellion, and you know you're demon possessed. Jesus sort of is the way for her to escape that and to find a different path, a different way of life. But I think by showing, lo- you know, localizing it and the way she exper- Mary experiences this in her own family with her brothers as well, you know, it's also Repeated later with the disciples, right? Because the male disciples are kind of thinking the same way and treating her the same way her family did. Right. So I, I to me, that's, I just see that as a, a device of like, for the audience, as you're watching the film setting up that, okay, this was the reality that Mary was facing at the time. Jesus helps her to escape it. She thinks, okay, now it's going to change and be better. But even in Jesus' closest followers, there it is again. Like, and she still can't escape it. Right. Yeah, I think that's a good parallel. I get what they're doing. Yeah, yeah,
0: and I don't. It's not, and I don't mind showing like patriarchal bullshit. I mean, I think you have to. It's like it's just like I think my 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 major critique there is just setting up Jesus as the hero, which if that's somewhat obvious. It's a movie about Jesus, but uh, <laughs> setting Jesus as like the only voice. Yeah, and the, and thereby kind of demonizing every other uh, every other. Do in this story. But I think we never really see Romans in this story, do we? No. A that's a good there's point. Like the,
2: there's the guard in that town who comes on horseback after the people are sick yeah. and dying. It's a And very, then there's, yeah. there's like in the a temple. handful of them in the temple when they, yeah. yeah
1: right. I like that. By, by the way, I also liked the scene. I like that scene in the temple when he throws the, the, the tables over because <clears throat> that also to me felt like
2: pretty believable. It was less of a table and more of like a ledge. He was yeah, like yeah, ripping yeah. that shit out.
0: <laughs> oh, right. So And I did like the scene too. I think it was the depiction of the priest where I was like, come on, can't you have one nice priest? Right. Yeah. You know, so it's, it was a very stereotyped portrait of the priest. Yes. Yes. But I, like, I, I did like the scene of Jesus flipping the tables over. Yeah. Well, I will yeah. say Joaquin Phoenix as Jesus, I, I didn't, the whole time I was watching the movie, I wasn't thinking, that's Joaquin Phoenix with a beard.
1: Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> is that what you thought? <laughs> I, I couldn't. Because I, again, I love him so much. It was difficult to, to not go, wow, that's Joaquin Phoenix playing Jesus. No, but I think what's interesting about him, though, is that if you know anything about his background, like his family, he, he and his family, they grew up in a cult. Oh, I did not know that. Yeah, so when you know that his story personally is that he had to grow up in this oppressive Christian cult and then escaped it, that I, I was really fascinated by the fact that he'd even be willing to play Jesus, and maybe that's the reason why he wanted to do it because he gets to portray Jesus in a a bit more sympathetic way um, than he probably heard about Jesus, you know, in this cult he was in growing up.
2: I didn't know that. Yeah, interesting. As we wrap up here, if you had to give it a rating out of ten, if you were given the score on IMDB or Rotten Tomatoes, what would it be? I'd give it a seven. Seven out of ten, Katie?
0: Yeah, I'm like a seven, seven point five.
2: Oh, a point. Point. <laughs> uh, I, <laughs> I was I, I was can, around I a seven. I was around a seven as well. Okay,
1: okay. It was, it was it's a re- good It was choice. really
2: done, really well done. I may watch it one other time, but I'm not gonna yeah. I'm not gonna buy the D V D.
0: Right. Okay. I, and when, so it's a great movie choice. To get, thank you for choosing it. And um, what I did read a review on the Roger Ebert site, and a person there commented. They were like, "I wish I'd had this movie in youth group." Yes, growing up, <laughs> oh, yeah. all the other ones. Yeah,
2: yeah. In that instance, yeah. Of of all the other, there there was one I was trying to look up. It was uh, another film I liked. Was Last Days in the Desert? Uh-huh. Have you with, seen that with, one? Uh, yeah. Obi Wan as With Obi-Wan Obi- <laughs> after, yeah, after um, Order 66 happens, he's out there, yeah. Um, no, I thought that was really good. That was really, really indie, and from I didn't what see I remember. That one.
1: I'm aware, I know it exists, and I know it, it was interesting, but I never watched it.
2: It was strange, but I liked the way they did the devil and, and all that kind of stuff. Wasn't so, the devil
1: him, like another version of him or something?
2: Yeah, it was really subtle, and it wasn't like here's the devil. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. Well, yeah I, the, I don't remember there being a lot of dialogue throughout that entire film.
1: Yeah, but that, that's what I heard. It was like, it's a very subtle uh, film. Very straight, I, I'm curious yeah, yeah. Like, do, Would you recommend that film? Is it worth watching? Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah it'd be good, good all watch. Right. I guess well, uh, it's not I, my film for this series, well, um, right, right? Nor Katie's, but
1: no. All right,
0: I, I have something slightly incestuous now that I just learned oh, that God. I feel like we all need to know. So I went to the Joaquin, I'm like, Joaquin Phoenix was in a cult. So I went to this Wikipedia site. Yeah. All right. In 2012, Phoenix met her co-star. They were in another movie, Rooney Mara. Yes. two remained friends and began a romantic relationship four years later during the making of Mary Magdalene. Yeah, you know, they're married now.
1: Yeah, they're they? Yeah,
0: they had, they had a kid. Right. They had so a kid. Does, is this like life imitates art or art imitates life? So this is proof that Jesus room, and right? Magdalene—they did I get it on. I think it might be. All right, well, there you go.
2: <laughs> All right. Well, we've got two more films left in this series, Katie. We're going to tackle yours next. Can you tell the listeners what it is so that they can perhaps watch it?
0: Okay, so the movie is called The Man from Earth. It was made in 2007. Um, It is fairly low budget. You will see some of the evidence of the low budget, but it has a really, really interesting story. And I I think by the end of the movie, you'll see why I chose it. So I I won't give away the ending. It became a cult, uh, kind of a cult favorite. And then there was a sequel, if you liked it, there was a sequel that was made a few years ago as well that I found out after the fact. And I had a really fun time watching that last year. It should be available on uh, Amazon, Instant Video, iTunes, Google Play, all of those. So you should be able to uh, rent it if you can't find it for streaming for free. I think, you, I think it's maybe available on Prime Video, though.
2: The Man from Earth. Yeah. All the right.
1: Man from Earth. Yes.
2: I'll make sure to do my homework. I've never even heard of it.
1: Me either. 2007.
0: Yeah, I, Not a 2007. I think it was like a Netflix recommendation to me back in the day where you actually still got like DVDs in the mail.
1: Mm. oh yeah oh
2: uh, by Old the way school. I still do
1: that I still do that
2: no you don't yes I do that's not, that's not a real it's, thing
1: it, it is do you watch I, like foreign films is that why right that's why I, ke- I keep the I kept the DVD in the mail thing because there are certain films that are yeah, indie films older films if you want to see an older film that's usually not streaming like, like this for example uh, you could probably pull it up and get it on uh, in the mail and there's even sometimes things like you know like if HBO does a series or some mini series or like for example Handmaid's Tale you can watch, you can get the DVDs in the mail from the DVDs, uh, you know, box set of season one, two, and three. So I've watched them. You when know, and I watch those through uh, through the DVDs in the mail kind of a thing without having to subscribe, you know, to Hulu or whatever.
2: All right. I learned something today. There you
1: go. Go do well,
2: it. it All right. This, back. Is, this has been good. I <laughs> look forward to watching that movie and talking about it. And until next time, um, just want to remind everyone, We have a website, heretichappyhour.com. You can uh, catch up on old shows. You can make sure you pick up a t shirt or two. We also have a bookstore at heretichappyhour.com featuring our many wonderful heretics of the weeks, many of their wonderful books, and roughly about 15% off retail. So go check it out.
0: And we would love to have you come to our Facebook group, Heresy After Hours. This is our free Facebook group for the whole deconstructing community. There's over 2000 people in the group right now. We we talk, we laugh, we make a lot of fun. So if you like to make fun of, uh, of maybe the things that you are leaving behind, it's a great place to come and do that. Of course, always a good taste and with a little gentleness. So come join us in Heresy After Hours.
1: And if you love the podcast uh, and you support us financially on Patreon, thank you. Thank you so much. We love you and uh, appreciate that uh, support so much. And we love being able to put some bonus stuff, extra interviews, uh, extra uh, things we record just for you guys. If you don't support us yet, head over to patreon.com slash heretic happy hour and uh, go ahead and do that. And uh, we would really, really appreciate it. Thank you so much.
0: Should we remind people to rate us on iTunes? Yes. Well, let's do that. <laughs> <laughs> Who has this responsibility now? Derek, where is he? We're, yes. we're waiting
2: for Derek.
1: Yes. Please rate and review us uh, wherever you listen to podcasts, but specifically on iTunes would be great. And it would just help other people find uh, this podcast.
2: Yeah. So if you're, I know there's someone out there listening right now who has not rated and reviewed, but has listened to a bunch of shows. So do it. What are you doing? What are you doing? And
0: like, we like the stars, do the stars, but we want written comments. Type something, yes. Type it out. It takes like a second. Yes.